Welcome back to That Thing with James Asher. I'm your host, James Asher, and once again, I'm accompanied by... Emily. And this is a podcast about whatever the hell I feel like it should be about any given day. Is this thing recording? (laughs) No. (laughs) Is this motherfucker recording? Yeah, it's recording. (laughs) Oh, man, that was scary. Okay, good. It's recording. Um, let's see. What, 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 where was I? Oh, yeah. This is a podcast about all sorts of different shit. It's kind of, uh, uh, well, I wouldn't describe it as Seinfeld necessarily. Um, although I am a big fan of Seinfeld, it's just kind of about whatever the fuck I feel like it should be about any given episode. Uh, lately we've been on a kick of reviewing, um, movies. Yeah. And so, uh, Let's just uh, keep doing that then. Today, we are going to give our review and sort of uh, insights we made while watching a new-ish horror movie, although it's more of a thriller, entitled The The Empty Man. Not the the Hollow Man. man. No, I was going to (laughs) say... The Horny Man. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going. No, he's in horny jail. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The Horny Man. That's where my brain went. I want the horny man to be about um, one of the flashers in Yakuza Like a Dragon. We can make that happen. So if you're not familiar, Yakuza Like a Dragon is a video game. And it's very great. It's awesome. It's fun. And there are some um, characters you run into who are degenerates. They're um, balding, middle-aged flashers (laughs) in trench coats. And I imagine that's what the horny man would be about. Yeah. I mean, why not? Make a really shitty horror movie out of it. He's a horny man, but then he like kind of turns into a human horny toad. I thought it was going to be a sex demon, but okay. A sex demon? Yeah. Well, that could be. What's There's a different word for succubus. Su- that, succubus is a, a and an incubus. woman. Incubus. Mm-hmm. That's it. A ubus. Yeah, he could turn into a ubus. Although I kind of like the idea of him turning into a horny toad, too. Yeah. He's too horny. He turns horny. He's horny before, and he's horny again. Horny, horny toad. <laughs> what would be the tagline for this? This fall. It's time to get horny. It's time to get horny. Yeah. I say as I adjust my genitals and my pants. Yeah. Um, no, we're reviewing The Empty Man. Um, and before we get into that... I just want to say, I just realized, this is episode 99. Oh, man. Holy shit. This is episode 99. I'm pretty sure. Let me double check. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is episode 99. So that means next week is 100. 100. Holy cow. And actually... Adding in the bonus episodes, we're over a hundred. Yeah. But I, I'm counting the bonus episodes those separately. They're those fresh are fresh and new. Those are fresh and new. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, dear viewer and or listener, I'm we're recording bonus episodes now. One new bonus episode every single week, and might I say, they're pretty fun. Yeah, they're pretty fun. Uh, we cut loose. More than we already cut loose for the for this free episodes. Yep. 
So it's very loose. So loose, in fact, I shit my pants every single time. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hot mess. But it's a good fun time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want access to uh, the bonus episode that's out right now, actually, and the library, the backlog of the, all the other bonus episodes... Uh, you can access those at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Your subscription could start at just $5 for an entire month. That's, that's five $1 bills. You could go pick that up off the street and get one new bonus episode every week and unlimited access to all the other bonus episodes and random content. I'll yeah. post on there like some shitty memes that I will craft myself. Oh yes. Oh yes. I am a shitpost lord. Um patreon.com slash that thing with James. Your subscription could help us keep this show going and only make it better and more gooder and higher quality. Um patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, let's see what else you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll get into the episode. I'm just doing some housekeeping real quick. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, my handle is at James J. Asher, the, just the letter J in the middle. Um, go check out my fire posting game and my, my growing TikTok bullshit. Uh, let's see what else. What am I forgetting? Subreddit. If you're a Redditor or, or want to get into Reddit or want to share some quality shit posts with me, uh, join my subreddit, r slash that thing with James. I also have an email, a uh, business email. So if you have business <laughs> inquiries, if you uh, are in need of some advice, God, I'd love to give advice on the show and I would keep you anonymous. And uh, if you have any ideas for like a story you found or, or a subject, something you'd like to maybe learn a bit more about, send me an email. Email it to me. That thing with James at gmail.com. Uh, and if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please do so. If you're on YouTube, hit that like button, smash the like button and the subscribe button and write a nice comment. And uh, that's it. That's housekeeping. Yeah. I like that little drawing you made there. Thank you. It's a dandelion. It's a dandelion. Ain't that dandy. That's supposed to be my name. Dandelion was yeah. supposed to be your name? Yeah. What? Yeah, I was supposed to be Dandelion Dawn. Dandelion Dawn? Yeah. <laughs> I think you'd be required to wear a helmet everywhere you go if that was your name. Dandy Dawn. <laughs> Double D? Oh, yeah. Well... You are a double D, mm, but yeah. your name's not Dandelion. No, but it was almost. Actually, I think you might be more than double D now. Oh, God. Yeah. I don't know where or when this started. But Yo, you're okay. looking for, it started with them boobs. If you're looking, you're looking for a side hustle, um, you know, breast milk, raw breast milk, uh, breast milk cheese, Breast milk ice cream. Ooh, I bet that would be good. Home-churned breast milk ice cream. The breast in town. Oh, no. Did you ever hear about that 
place in New York that was selling breast milk? No, but I heard about the lady that made bread with her vagina juice and her yeast. What? This woman used her vaginal yeast to make bread? Yeah. What? And she sold it. In New York? I don't know if it was in New York. It was what somewhere. What the fuck? <laughs> I remember hearing about him being like, okay. Woman made bread with yeast from her cooter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's more intense than what I was talking about. <laughs> it was like in the early 10s. Yeah. Uh, 2010s in Manhattan. This man and woman opened up their own restaurant. The woman just kept lactating. Yeah, you know, you, if you milk yourself, and yeah. Yeah, well, she was milking herself a lot because she was selling, um, like they were making ice cream and other products with her breast milk. And there would be lines around the block It's supposed to be nonstop. really good for you. It is supposed to be pretty good for you. And how fucking weird is it humans drink cow milk? Yeah. Like, we're just latching on to some cow we're, nipples. We're apparently really hungry for milk. Yeah. After, after we, we were told that we weren't allowed to. How, how old were you when you stopped breastfeeding? When I stopped breastfeeding? Dude, I don't know. About the 13. right age. Fuck. <laughs> 13. That's why I've never gotten a cavity. Oh, probably. <laughs> that probably is it. <laughs> Everything's been explained to that world. Yeah. I'm super healthy because uh, I was still breastfeeding. What would you do if you found out that that was a secret ingredient in some of your... Breast milk? Yeah. Like yeah. your mom's. Um, uh, if I found she's a really good cook, so I don't know. If I found out the secret ingredient was her breast milk, yeah. One, I would be, I mean, I'd be impressed that <laughs> she is still lactating, and I would also be concerned that <laughs> she's still <laughs> lactating. I mean, the woman's, the woman, she looks very young for her age, very healthy, but. Um, she's well past the, you know, <laughs> the, the lack, the milking age. <laughs> I think she's past the, the milking moratorium. Oh, we might have to get or, rid of that. Your mom's going to cut me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she watches the show much, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, well, she's going to watch this one. <laughs> I mean, she's been on this show, too. If people watch this show, they're going to know who you're talking about. They're well, like, they're man, that, that woman is still fertile. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm feeling very submissive and breedable today. Oh, geez. That's oh. something I've been seeing online. Very submissible and breeding. Breed, breed, breedable. Breeding. Oh. Yeah. Breed about it. Oh. In a book. Uh, should we just jump into the movie? Yeah, probably. Okay. So you wanted to... So yesterday we're out driving around town and then you said you had a movie you wanted to watch. The Empty Man, and he told me about it, and I didn't really know. And then we're not feeling it. I wasn't. I wasn't really sold on it. And then I watched the preview for it. We watched this on HBO Max, much like the last movies we watched, Space Jam's one and two, the story of um, the death of labor in the United States, Space Jam, TM. Yeah. Not transcendental mesentation. Anyway, um, yeah, I wasn't too sold on this movie, Empty, The Empty Man. 
And then we watched the preview and I still wasn't sold on it. And then I just said, fuck it. And then I kind of got into it. Yeah, you were more into it than I was. Yeah, I mean, well, simply because who the the writer and director whose name I wrote down. Did you look him up? Uh, David Pryor. No, I didn't look him up. Did you see his Pryor films? No. I should look him up real quick. Yep. You said that you felt like he was probably in the same sort of stuff that you were. That's, I mean, he clearly is in the same kind of stuff I was into. It's just, I, I didn't look him up. Today's been so crazy. Yeah. Um, David Pryor. Yo. Okay. I was about to say, if he's related to Richard Pryor. He's, no, he he's, doesn't look like it. Well, no. And the name is spelt differently. Um, the Fincher analyst, what is this? David Pryor is an American writer and director who made his directorial debut with The Empty Man, an epic in the world of horror, one of the most criminally overlooked horror movies of 2020, and one of the most ambitious horror movies in recent years. Um, he's 52, was born in 1969 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. All right, so he's a ma- mass hole. Yep. That makes so much sense. Okay. And he's 52. Okay. He looks pretty good in that picture. Yeah. That for pic- 52. Yeah, he looks more like he's 42 in that picture. Yeah. It's probably an older picture. Probably. And whoever wrote this thing, like a criminally overlooked horror movie, someone likes him a lot. This is at, at thefincheranalyst.com. Oh, is this a horror movie website? It looks like it. Or yeah. or maybe it's all thing David Fincher. I don't know. That was Well that's Mank. Yeah. So let's see. Let me uh let me wiki this guy. See if there's anything. Uh okay, this says he was This says he's dead. What? In twenty fifteen? I don't think that's uh, the same guy. No, 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 no. Dead oh yeah, dead in twenty fifteen. Yeah, that's definitely not the same guy. Unless he uh, only did that. Let me see here. No, this is a guy, Cambridge Mass. Okay, so what else has he made? He made AM 12,000, or 1,200, not 12,000. He did The Offing. He did The Summer of, or Summer of the Shark. Those are the things he's known for. He's produced a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of random stuff. Bad Boys too. Oh, he was a producer on... Oh, he was a stunt producer and visual effects producer. All right. Oh, he was a producer of the video documentary, The Blood Pact, Making of Blade 2. He was a producer of that. He's got, he's been in the business. He's got a lot of credits. The Hundred Days. Let's see. His first writing, his first writer credit is Kane Rose Up. Uh, let's see. Actor. Let's see here. Oh, he was in Alien Resurrection. Uncredited. As an alien. As an alien. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, he's yeah. an alien. Wow. In 1997. Wow, he was an alien. That's pretty cool. Okay, so anyway, this guy. Yeah, I feel like in the movie he really touched on some stuff that I'm into. Yeah. Um, And that's why I say... This guy 
seems like someone I could probably get along with because he seems like someone who's, I don't know, curious about the same kind of stuff I'm yeah, into. He's definitely into it. So the movie we wanted to um, just sort of document some things. We're trying to work out the best way to present these reviews uh, and and make it entertaining. So sorry if you're hearing noise. Our downstairs neighbors are going wild They've again. They've been wild for days now. Yeah, starting at like 7 in the morning, every morning, even on Saturdays going out there. Going until 2. Going until 2 in the morning, mm-hmm. actually. Yes, yeah. I don't know the woman ever sleeps. I don't know I uh, the sleeping. the uh, child ever goes outside. I don't know if she ever takes the child outside. I've never seen this kid. Never seen I this child. I don't yeah. know where he is. So it's odd situation down there. Uh, can't wait for it to not be them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's my Space Jam note I was looking at. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's start reading our notes here. The Empty Man. Let's just jump into it. What do you say? Yeah. The Empty Man, 2020, opens on the Ura Valley. Do you think it's Ura or Ura Valley? I think it's Ura. I think it's a, like the Ural Mountains. It probably is. But so it's Ura. I want it to be Ura. I want it to be Ura, too. Um, the Yura Valley in Bhutan, 1995, is where the movie opens up. First note, um, I know of Bhutan. I know it exists. I know the name. I've always found the name pretty fun, Bhutan. I just don't know where the fuck it is. <laughs> where's Bhutan? <laughs> Do you, yo, where's Bhutan? My, my, notes, Bhutan? my notes were just like, it looks like the Pacific Northwest. Because it it's uh, there's four people out hiking in this mountain valley yeah. in in Bhutan, which also I I feel personal shame for not just knowing where Bhutan is, but at the same time I'm pissed at the American education system because I should just know where Bhutan is. Yeah, we should. You definitely should. I feel like it's more important that kids learn where shit is in the world more important than say memorizing the names of all 77 counties in oklahoma which i had to do in junior <laughs> so high So i had to do that in junior high all <sighs> 77 and you know what i got what 100 percent, because i made up Nerd. a i made up a song in my head <laughs> of all 77 counties but you make fun of me for nostrils eat southern worms what is that north east southwest you can't. Well, that's because it's the simple, <laughs> and it's only four fucking directions. Nostrils eat southern. North, north, south, east, west. North is whatever you're facing or up. That's north. <laughs> south is always behind you. West is your left arm. Uh, east is your right arm. Mm. And if you're a paraplegic, you just fucked. No direction. <laughs> no, you've only got up, forward, or back or down. South is also down. Bad, but yes. And then I, my next note is one minute in, James realizes this movie is two hours. Yeah, at some point. Cause <laughs> one I, minute. Because at one point, I, I just wanted to get an idea of uh, timing for the evening. And yeah, it was what, two hours and 15 minutes or yeah. something? And I was very surprised. I was thinking maybe it would be like a 90 minute, you know, tight 90. It was mm. not. But it wasn't. Well, 
notes. We open on Bhutan, and it's a beautiful mountain valley. And there are four white people who appear to be in their 30s hiking. And while they're hiking, there was some weird moaning music. And it took me a minute to not realize or to realize it wasn't one of the characters. It was just the soundtrack. Yeah. And it wasn't like I would expect like some Tuvan throat singing, you know. I mean, I wrote weird chanting music. Yeah. I mean, it was like. Someone, it, it sounded like a woman fingering herself. Not not the macaroni in a bucket, not like that. Okay. But like. <sighs> I, I think you and I were watching two different movies. It might that. have been the same, different scene then. Okay. Yeah. Because the opening, when it just shows them, <laughs> there's a moaning woman. James is the horny goat. That's the plot twist. I am the horny man. And then my question about Bhutan gets answered (laughs) because the hikers stop. And they're clearly Americans. They're visiting. They're tourists out on a hike. Um, Some monks drive by in a truck, and they're wearing orange robes with bald heads. And that's when I realized, oh, this is near Tibet. Or it might be in Tibet. Bhutan? No. Where the fuck is Bhutan? I'm looking this shit up. Oh, man. Bhutan. Is it Tibet? Uh, no, it's a country. See, I thought it was a country. It's a country. Um, Bhutan is a Buddhist kingdom on the Himalayas' eastern edge, known okay. for its monasteries, etc. Uh, let's see. Is it near Tibet? They got their own ones. Oh, it's near Bangladesh. And China. Yeah. Well, so is Tibet, too. And there's always... Oh, and it's by... Oh, Nepal. Nepal. Patna. Well, like, what is this going through it? Oh, India. Yeah. So it's just south of... Just south of Tibet is Bhutan. Very small. Very small. So uh, they're hiking. They're, they're near Tibet. They're in Bhutan. Monks are driving by. Um, you got some truck the, the passes bridge? with people in red robes, and then mm. then a, there's like a creepy rope bridge, which we discovered was actually chain linked. Yeah, but there's no way in hell you would catch me on that bridge. Like they come to this large like canyon, and across it is what looked initially like a rope bridge, and it then didn't it look was, like a strong bridge. It was just chain link fence and stronger chains with like some ropes and prayer flags on it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not riding placing my bets on that rope bridge. Classic horror movie brain, you automatically think, oh, uh, someone's gonna die on this bridge. It's yeah. gonna collapse. And they set it up to look like that because the gang of four got real nervous except for one person who charged ahead. I think it was probably Paul. Yeah. Uh, Paul, it was Paul. Paul charges ahead. It's one of the guys. Paul charges. Uh, it's two two women, two men in this group of four. Paul walks ahead, stops midway, and is like, hey, what are you guys waiting for? He makes it across. The rest of the gang makes it across. Um, and then once they get on the other side of the bridge, um, they start hearing a noise. Actually, Paul starts hearing a noise. Yeah. But no one else can hear it. 
And Paul starts following the noise and it leads him to the edge of a cliff. And there he stops and listens more intently and then follows the noise once more right off the cliff into a hole down below. Yep, a crevice. A a crevasse. I wrote as well about the one girl using like the ski poles to walk with. And James had to correct me and tell me that those are apparently like hiking poles. Before before Paul uh, (laughs) uh, accidentally descended into the crevasse, Emily said, why is that woman carrying ski poles? And she was like walking with them. It was like pretty weird to not have, you know, ski outfit on. I mean, it wasn't, they could be used as ski poles, but hikers, especially mountain hikers, will use hiking poles. And they're specifically made. They have different points at the at the bottom part yeah. to help you get a grip and stabilize while you're going up rocks, especially okay. if they're not solid. Or the bitch could have just said, I'm going skiing on my shoes. Yeah, I just thought maybe she was sick or something. But no. apparently she's healthy and buys those sort of things. Yeah, the <laughs> North Face kind of vibe. And I thought t- Paul's name was Tom for a good portion of the beginning. Why did you think Paul's name was Tom? I don't did know. Did he just I look wrote, like a Tom? One of the hikers, Tom, walks into a crevice. <laughs> <laughs> Tom walks into and a crevice. Wrote, not Tom, Paul. Well... Let's. Uh, I think we've got a, we've got a lot of ground to cover with yeah, this movie, yeah, we and we're going to cover it just in this episode. So let's let's blast ahead here. So Paul Paul uh, tumbles into a crevasse, and then the other guy Greg goes after him. The spelunks l- spelunks after him. The girls are freaking out. Uh, Greg spelunks into this little open cave, and it's kind of a small cave, but down there you would expect to find Paul. You know, with the Femur sticking out, you know, dead or dying and in a lot of pain. But no, actually, he was untouched. He was just sitting there with his legs crossed in front of this skeleton that had seven fingers. Yes, 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 you heard that right. Greg goes into this little cave, finds Paul. Uh, Paul's got his back to Greg and he's sitting in uh, prayer, you know, cross-legged prayer position. A full lotus position, you might say. And yeah, he's sitting in front of this thing that I described as looking like a a draugr from... (laughs) If you've played Skyrim, you know what I'm talking about. It looked like a a desiccated yet uh, fleshy um, bone skeleton thing with... It it was human-like, but... It had double the amount of ribs and, what, seven fingers? Seven or eight fingers. Seven or eight fingers. And it was sitting spread eagle was what I had. It was <laughs> it was like spread eagle against the wall. It was kind of, kind of reminded me of that thing that they never really covered more of on uh, 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 Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Was the burning limbs and shit. <clears throat> yeah. That's a thread they just fucking left. Yeah, they were like, meh. Fuck, fuck Game of Thrones. That the last season, the last three seasons, but especially the last season, fuck, fuck, fuck those guys. I mean, they ruined a perfectly good show. Yep. Well, uh, Greg approaches Paul, and Paul's like mumbling some gibberish kind of stuff, and Greg's like, "Hey, hey, are you okay?" And Paul whispers to him, "If you touch me, you'll die." Yep. 
And he's like, what are you talking about? If you touch me, you'll die. So Greg's like, whatever, quit fucking around. Pats him, lifts him up, and uh, they get out of the crevasse. Yep. While they're walking, they find this creepy-ass cabin in the middle of nowhere with posters all over the walls and pots in the room to piss in. (laughs) Pots to piss in. Yep. Wait, there weren't just posters all over the walls. There were newspapers. Oh, yeah. We did realize that. There were newspapers all over. Which, I wonder if the newspaper clippings were the same that we run into later in the file that Homeboy finds. Oh, probably. Maybe. <clears throat> well, the, yeah, there's this desolate cabin in, in the Himalayas, and they take shelter in there because a blizzard comes in that night. So, the team is trying to gather their wits, yet Paul, who fell through the crevasse is still acting fucking weird. Well, he's like comatose at this point. Yeah, he becomes comatose. They pull him out of the crevasse. He's comatose. And uh, one of the two women is very upset about Paul being out of it. Yeah. Because I think she was probably fucking Paul. Yeah, they were definitely a relationship or something. or just FWBs. I think might have been FWBs at some point. Yeah. Um. Well... Jumping ahead, uh, the storm rages on for like a couple days, but, right? But also, they took Paul's shirt off to examine for bug bites. Oh, and yeah. And they see his scars from where he's attempted to commit, commit suicide. suicide. Yeah, he's got he's got scars on his wrist. But they didn't take off his pants or anything. And I said, no. do bugs not bite penises and legs? Well, when, when the camera shows that he's got uh, cuts on his wrist, Greg is like, man, he's been doing really well for a long time. So it's established that I think he, he was he addicted to heroin at some point. I think it mentioned somewhere he used to do heroin, he's got mental health problems, and he's tried to kill himself. The cocktail that I had did not tell me that information, so... Oh, yeah, you were drinking while watching it. Yeah. Um, well, so it's established maybe Paul is just having a mental health crisis. We don't know. But there's a blizzard running, and people are kind of getting cabin fever. Well, one night... Um, they wake up. Everyone wakes up. Once the the uh, storm is passed, I think after like a day and a half, um, Paul is gone. They can't find him anywhere. So they open That's the day door. Three. Day three. Or okay. day two is missing. Yeah, it's day two. Yeah. They open the door and they see uh, boot tracks in the snow walking straight away from the uh, from the cabin. So the you missed gang- out on the scary scarecrow thing that showed up first. What? Yeah, because the couple that were fine. Uh, Who? Oh, Paul, the man and the woman. Was it Paul? Their names don't matter. Yeah, whatever. Names don't matter. The man matter. and the woman. They left the place to go. God knows what. Probably look for help or something. Yes. So they leave. Oh yeah, and that's Ruthie's not- alone with him, oh. and she's like, you know, she's talking to him. He's not responding, and she looks out the window and sees what looks like a scarecrow mummy thing walking towards the cabin. And at first, she thinks oh. it's her friend, so she walks outside and then it starts running after her. Is Paul still there at this point? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the two, the other two, Greg and his girlfriend, run off. Yeah, and she hears something, opens the door, and it's that. I I said it looked kind of like. Um, like death, almost. Oh, well, maybe. Did I? I said, Let's is see. it a mummy? 
Oh, you thought it was a mummy. Yeah, it was like, looks like Scarecrow Demon, but Ruthie is a dumb bitch. Is yeah. it a mummy? Well, she runs. Uh, oh, I just have written dark figure, walks in blizzard. Ruth calls for help. Uh, and then uh, the 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 dark figure runs toward her. She runs back into the cabin, locks herself inside. Yep. That night, Ruth, who is the woman who's kind of freaking out and worried about comatose Paul, um, dreams of Paul, no longer comatose, whispering in her ear. But it's it's not English. It's kind of yeah. nonsense gibberish. But he's whispering, whispering in her ear. And then she wakes up, sits up, and sees that he's gone. Yep. Uh, and that's when, we see that's the when they find footsteps. Day three. Um, they, they find Paul at uh the bridge that they crossed before and at this point i actually just remembered when they were inspecting paul before Uh and we discover as audience that he is a cutter um uh, greg finds this little object on him that looks like it's made out of bone Mm -hmm. and it's got some like sort of a decoration on it and at first i thought it might be a baculum do you know what a baculum is a baculum um, most notably, I know about it is uh, a walrus baculum is a bone. Uh-huh. It's a penis bone. So walruses penises have, have a bone in it. Yes, it's a, called the baculum, and it's spelled like Bacchus. Yeah, which makes sense. So I guess Bacchus probably relates to penis. Maybe ba- Bacchus. You know, he's like a he's wine, boy. fertility, and yeah. revel- revelry, and the theater. He's fun. So, okay. All right. Forgot that detail, but added it in because they find Paul sitting full lotus, blowing into that bone thing. It turns out it's a little pipe, and he's making music with it, looking off into the distance. You got something in your notes? Yeah, oh, just that he's sitting cross-legged, blowing his bone whistle. And then Greg starts talking shit about Paul, and he's like, you've always been selfish, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been 20 years like this where he's been this piece of shit. So Paul, Paul, <laughs> Paul has mental health issues, addiction issues, uh, is a cutter. He's, you know, attempted suicide quite a few times. Yeah. And... They're out in the, and he's doing well finally. And he and the best friends go on a hike in an exotic location. And then tragedy befalls this poor guy, Paul. Yeah. He falls off and then goes comatose because he's afflicted with something we don't know what it is. And, and goes into a coma for a few days. And then his best friend, Greg, <laughs> finds him and just starts screaming at him saying, You're fucking selfish. I'm sick of your bullshit. 20 years of this. Well, you've been been dealing with your shit for 20 years. Yeah, it's real weird. Like, guy, it's not your wife. Also, uh, he doesn't owe you shit. So maybe stop being a weirdo. Yeah, so, I mean, some friend, he just starts fucking screaming at him. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's see what happens next. Ruthie stabs their asses. Oh, that's right. Okay, so while Paul, or while Greg is screaming at Paul, Ruth starts acting a little squirrely. She starts hearing whispering in her ear. And so uh, she pulls out some scissors. Was it scissors? No, she had a knife on her. She pulls out a knife, 
stabs girlfriend. Yeah. Stabs um, right. stabs Greg and stabs Paul. Kills all of them, right? No. And then she herself jumps off the cliff. Yeah, no, no. Oh, she stabs herself. She stabs herself. She didn't mess with Paul. Paul's just sitting oh. there cross like pl- playing that bone whistle. Right, because Paul's infected with this thing that turns out might be a little communicable. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, everyone dies. And then the title screen happens. So at this point in the film, I'm kind of into it. It's the way it's presenting it. It's sort of like dealing with some um, some themes I like to think of, of like, you know, it's clearly setting up that there's a lot of themes of meditation, consciousness, mysticism, mysticism, and ancient things. All right. And this yep. is the kind of stuff I'm into. And so I'm pretty happy when the title screen opens. I'm like, oh, oh, this has been like. 20 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes into the film until we get the title screen. I'm pretty happy. And I think we should probably take a quick break. Okay. Because we're at 30 minutes. We'll be right back, and we're going to cover the rest of this movie now that we've got it established. See you in a second. Look at all these notes I have. And we're back. So I feel like I keep running into an issue where I choose the wrong goddamn movies to make make a joke review of. Started with um, Space Jam 2, and then that turned into something more than a joke. And then now we've got this. I thought it was going to be like some horror movie that would be easy to poke fun at, but then it had to get all sorts of complicated. Well... So let's let's just stick with our notes. I mean, I'm going to because yeah. Um, so we've got the title screen, and the setting uh, is listed in text: Weber Mills or Webster Mills, Missouri, 2018. So it's been over 20 years, from 95 to 18. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah that's uh, 12 years. Okay, Uh, scene opens on a man jogging who I'm like, is that Paul? Yeah, we were confused. We had no idea who that guy was. Yeah, I thought maybe Paul fell off and then survived or something. Maybe, maybe not. Whoever it is, he's out for a very, uh, very like determined exercise. He's out running and he stops at one point on a bridge to smoke a cigarette. Yep. Um, and then it shows him working at what I thought initially was a hardware store. Yeah, I wondered why there was bear spray at a hardware store. Yeah, there was some woman who was like, ah, this bear spray doesn't work. And he's like, oh, I wouldn't have sold you this brand anyway. You have to shake it. You don't want to have to shake your spray when you're in an emergency. Yep. So he helps her with that. Uh, and then scene changes again because we're getting to know whoever this person is. He is sitting alone at a Mexican restaurant. He takes a shot of tequila, and he's got another empty shot glass in front of him, uh, one empty bottle of beer, and another bottle of beer that he's working on. Yep. Um, A waiter comes up, and he hands her like a coupon saying, I think it's still good. Yeah, he said you should check this, and here's like money I don't need change. Exactly. But there's also a child of the corn staring at him. I missed that. What? There's like this kid that's staring at him. Mm Mm-hmm. And 
he's just like looking at the kid. The kid's looking at him. There's like nothing going on other than this freaky kid that just turned around staring at him. So this freaky kid's just being a freaking creep on yeah. him. Um, well, it was at this point, I'm like, okay, so we're learning about who this person is. He's a drinker. It's his birthday. It's his birthday. He's alone. And, oh, yeah, we find out it's his birthday because some of the employees come up and start singing him happy birthday, but they don't say his name. They just say, happy customer. birthday, dear customer. Yeah, I said very sad happy birthday. But, yeah. But also what was weird, the coupon said birthday, that it was for a birthday. Oh, so then maybe... So, like, you know, they knew it was his birthday. and Because of the coupon. Yeah. Oh, I see. Which see, is embarrassing and these, weird. These are the little secrets that great movies sneak in. You don't really notice until maybe a second or third watch. Yep. We only watched it once. Um, he uses the, th- the coupon. He's thrifty. Staff singing him happy birthday. Uh, and then he gets home. And this girl with a fucking bowl haircut comes up. Yeah. Is that what it's called? The bowl? Yeah, it's bowl called cut? the bowl cut. Yeah, this girl, this teenage girl with a bowl cut comes up to him. And I'm like, is that his daughter or what? Turns out her name is Amanda Quayle. Yep. Uh, no relation to Dan Quayle. <laughs> <laughs> and she's talking about how they haven't seen each other for a year. They haven't seen each other for a year. And she's telling him like, hey, it'll get better. Whatever it is, we don't know yet. Allison and Henry. Allison and Henry, yeah, whoever. Uh, we don't know who they are quite yet. And then the girl starts talking about manifestation. She's like talking about the secret, how... If you focus on something, your mind can create it. None of this is real. Nothing is real. Nothing's real. Reality isn't even real. All of this is a illusion. And uh, you can do anything with your brain, especially manifest. Yep. And then she goes away. And we see As her mom calls. Oh. And is- she says, can I tell my mom that I saw you? And he says, yes. Yeah. Weird. I wonder what that means. Can I tell my mom I saw you? Yeah, it sounded... I was concerned that this was either like he was sleeping with the the teenager before Mm -hmm. and like it was found out or that he was actually her dad. See, that's what I thought initially was that he was her dad and her mom, like they're divorced or something. Yeah. But no, it turns out that this unnamed guy... Uh, used to have a a son and a wife, but they both died in a car accident some years ago. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where are we? He took a medicine from the cabinet too called doxepin, and I looked it up, and it's an antidepressant and nerve medication. Doxepin, antidepressant and nerve medication. And he's drinking that much. You're not supposed to drink on antidepressants. You're not supposed to drink on <laughs> antidepressants. So already we've established that this guy is alcoholic and may not be a reliable narrator. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, the man dreams of his his kid meets his ex-wife. Oh, no, no, no. After, after he wakes up and then whatever. Yeah. Maybe it's the next day. I don't know. Time's weird in this movie. Um, he goes and meets the next door neighbor because who's the kid's Amanda's missing. mom. Oh yeah. Because, because that girl with the bowl cut has disappeared. And so, um, 
this guy, the 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 next door neighbor whose name is Nora, who for the longest time I thought Nora was Quayle. Laura, <laughs> but no, she's Nora Quayle, leads the guy up to Amanda's bedroom and her clothes are gone. Her luggage is gone. And in the bathroom, in the girl's room, which, I mean, if she's got her own bathroom in her room, that's a well-off single they, mom. Well, duh, they're rich. And they had a big fucking house, too. It was yeah, nice. the house was nice. Um, in the bathroom, written in blood on the mirror is, the empty man made me do it. Which we see them swapping while the parents are, well, while Nora well, and that guy are in the other room. They being detectives. So the the neighbor guy asks the woman, Nora, have you called the cops yet? And she said no. So then they call the cops. Some forensics and detectives show up and they're swabbing it. While um, Nora and the unnamed man are in that bedroom. Yeah. And you said that's not usual protocol. I said, what is this, the Ramsey case? Because it's super bad to have family or like potential suspects that close. Right, because they can doing- mess with stuff. Yeah. I My thing about um, Jean Benet Ramsey is I think OJ did it. Yeah, I'm pretty did, sure it was him. But we get to find out a little bit more about the man, the drunk man. His name is James, which originally had written Jason. No. <laughs> it turns out his name is James LaSombra, which I thought LaSombre. Yeah. Like, because he's kind of a downer. We find out that he used to be a cop in St. Louis. St. Louis undercover cop, actually. He's not a cop now. Um, and we also find out that Amanda Bullcut. Her father, who this is how we find out that Jim is not her father, her father died two years ago. And her father is one goofy looking motherfucker. Oh, yeah, but we don't see him yet. We don't see him yet, but I'll touch on it. She's got a bunch of chat books laying around, which she's got Pearl Jam lyrics with daughter. Oh, God. Daughter lyrics. I was like, why? I would hope that Zoomers can understand Pearl Jam sucks, but I don't know. Maybe they don't. Hey, Pearl Jam sucks, and Metallica sucks. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't want to lose people over this. I'm sorry. I know they're, I'm not denying their talent and great musicianship and everything. Uh, it's just not really uh, not my cup of tea. So personally, I, I, don't, I don't think they're that great. This is when we find out that quail is their last name, which I looked up the symbolism for quails. And oh, there's symbolism for quail? Yeah. It's really? renewal, rebirth, balance, and harmony is what I found online. Interesting. And then we just see, like, Mama Quail sitting there smoking cigarettes in her kid's yeah, she, room. she's smoking a cigarette in the kid's room. And also, you mentioned the chat books. Yeah. Which are just, like, kind of artsy notebooks that you, you make art in and stuff, right? It's... You collage and like do different things, okay. have different materials to well, it. Well, her chapbook looked like something out of like a an Exorcist movie, <laughs> like lots of black, really disturbing art in it. And inside, um, Jim La Sombra finds a little flyer for this place called the Pontifex Institute. Yep. 
Pontifex. And what did you find out about the Pontifex? I looked up what Pontifex meant. And in ancient Rome, it's a member of the principal college of priests. Right. Okay. Like pontificate. Uh-huh. Pontifex. Also, written on that flyer is the word tulpa. T-U-L-P-A. And we don't know what that is, but we find out later when Jim yep. does some investigating. Um, so then Jim goes to Amanda's high school. After which he is, gets a list of her friends. After he gets a list of her friends. Goes to this place called Jacques Derrida High School. I don't know if there is an actual Jacques Derrida High School, but if there is... Pretty cool. Uh, it's interesting. If you don't know, Jacques Derrida is a linguist, semiotician, philosopher, French guy who... Um, he's sort of like the quote-unquote father of deconstruction uh, method. And is he was a playboy and very full of himself. Lots of, lots of nonsense. And I think... Maybe it's it's fucking impossible to understand him. If anyone tells you they understand Derrida, what the fuck he was talking about, they're lying. <laughs> All I can take away from Derrida is that he was just trolling academia, saying basically, I'm just going to make a bunch of noise that doesn't really say anything because so many people, <clears throat> like Jordan Peterson, uh, Jordan Peterson wasn't around at Derrida's time, but I'm saying Jordan Peterson a bunch of noise, but doesn't really say anything. Except the, for the few times he does say something, it's pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, well, at the high school, he meets up with this um, mixed girl. Who's Devara? Devara. Turns out it's Amanda's friend. She's standing outside of his, his truck, or his Jeep. He's got a window down. He's smoking a cigarette. And Devara is like, hey, can I bum a cigarette? After he's like, hey, are you Devara? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He calls for her. She says, yeah, can I have a cigarette? And he says, smoking's bad for you, you know, and then gives her a cigarette. Yeah. And she, she sits in the car with him while she, she smokes. Too. She gets in the car with this strange man and smokes a cigarette with him, which what does that say about Devara? She's just willing to get into a Jeep with some random middle-aged white guy As for a cigarette. As a former teenager, you, do, you make some decisions sometimes that aren't always... The smartest. Oh, that sounds dangerous to me. <laughs> um, so let's see. Oh, Devara. Uh, uh, Jim starts asking questions to try to figure out where Amanda is and what happened. Because she hasn't been deemed dead or anything yet. Right now it's just missing. She's missing. Uh, cops think she probably ran away. Devara says that Amanda had been acting very strange and was even screaming in the classroom. Yep. Um, and she also said that some cops had already come to the school to ask questions, but it didn't really amount to much because they're cops. Yeah. They don't really want to solve the case. So just kind of going through the motions. Um, and then Devara talks about a game that Amanda and her, or Devara, all and, her their, and all their friends play. Where they go to this uh, like abandoned bridge, uh, where all the, the dark kids seem to like you know go smoke cigarettes and drink and act like teenagers. Yeah, it's where, it's where the bad kids go to be bad. Uh, this abandoned bridge, which uh, can a bridge be abandoned or just not used? I mean, that bridge looks fine. 
Yeah, it, it looks fun. like the, it should have been functioning. It wasn't dilapidated, no. but no one used it except for the bad kids to do bad shit. Go there at night, and if you blow into an empty bottle you and make it whistle, first. you have to find a bottle there, blow into it like, and then he, whoever he is, will man. will will whisper to you. He'll start talking to you, and then he'll come for you. Yeah, she said that on day one, you hear him. Day two, you see him. Day three, he finds you. Which is exactly what happened um, 20, 23 years prior in Bhutan. Yep. Mm, interesting. Well, uh, it also turns out that Amanda had some like suicidal ideations because... Uh, there's like a flashback. She had previous attempts. Right. Previous attempts that she joked about and tried to say she was joking, but we all know she was being, yeah. you know, candid. Um, this is Devara telling Jim the story, but it like goes and shows the scene of all these kids and they get a bottle and Amanda's like, ooh, I'm going to blow onto it. And Devara's like, no, don't do it. Cause she's like the fucking. Devara's oh, got logic. No. You are smart. No, she's the weenie of the bunch. She's the Emily of the bunch. There was like six, si- uh, six or seven kids all together. There were seven. Seven. Seven kids all together. And seven's a recurring number in this movie because it's very esoteric and kind of falls apart near the end. But yeah, we're so, getting there. Yeah. And they asked her when she last saw Amanda. And she said that she saw her talking to like one of the other fucking kids at the mall. Mm-hmm. And that it looked pretty intense. And she was just like whispering in his ear. But then when she looks, when Devar looks up, there are six kids, teenagers, sitting cross-legged looking at her. Right. Out in front of the school, right? Mm-hmm. Six kids. So um, the kids all blow into these bottles they found on the bridge. And then they just kind of walk away. But something's unsettling with the way the direction is going. Yep. Um, and then let's see here. Jim searches for Amanda's friends, but it turns out they're all gone. Like they're he goes, missing. he goes knocking on doors and to workplaces, but everyone's missing. Where are they? This is my note during this. Was being a scene kid cool again in 2018? Judging by decor, yes. I think emo's kind of popular. Well, again. scene's different than emo. Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Scene kids, whatever. They're emos. Yeah, right. There's emos and goths. I just hate when people call goths emos. Goth is not emo. Emos emos are posers. And scene kids are posers. Goths are the real deal. (laughs) All right? No cap. But yeah, when he goes to this one girl, Lisa's house, nobody's home. Like, Mm -hmm. nobody's there. The TV's on. Mm -hmm. Things are a little weird. Like, the energy in it is weird. And he goes outside, and this golden retriever's had its throat slit. And there's, like, bowls full of blood out there. Yeah. And it was like, that is fucking dark. So all of the kids are missing except for Devara at this point. Right. And then we see Devara, actually. Um, Oh, there's more. Wait, there. Oh, oh, that's right. Jim. Jim goes to the bridge. Yep. And is walking around. And he finds one of the bottles and gives it a short little blow, doesn't he? Yep, and then he throws it off the bridge. He throws it off the bridge, and then he sees like an open manhole sort of thing on the bridge. And there's a little ladder 
that gives way to a catwalk just under the footpath. He goes down there and he finds five teenagers, five of the group that had been there before with Devara and Amanda, five teenagers, dead, pale, blue, and hanging from a noose, yeah. relatively, each of them. And at this point, I stated, I'm not a hero for many reasons, and my lack of brave- bravery is probably number one. What, what, are you talking about yourself personally? Yeah. What does that have to do with these kids hanging? Because he went down there into this manhole. If I see a manhole open, I'm not just going to go explore. And that's why you can't be a hero? Yeah. Because you're a weenie? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, but there's something bad down there. Yeah, if I send something, I'm not going with it. So, guy calls the cops. Jim calls the cops. But before he does, he looks up and on a, on a metal beam above where the kids are hanging, written in black, it says, the empty man made me do it. Yep. So, so far, it sounds kind of campy talking about it out loud, but it was actually pretty well done. Yeah. Um, it doesn't fall apart until later. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so then, scene change. We have Devara alone at a spa, and she strips down naked. We see her her bare bottom mm-hmm. and nipples. her boobies, purple nipples, and uh, she goes into a sauna naked and is chilling for a minute, and then a dark figure appears, and it looks like the dark figure from so many years ago in Bhutan. And the dark figure raises its fist, and in it is holding sharp steel scissors, which it uses to start stabbing Devara multiple times in her face. In her eyes. In eyes. And then the camera backs up for a second, and it's Devara stabbing herself yeah. in the face. And there's no dark figure around. She had the scissors in her own hand. What the fuck is going on? Then we see the ex-cop's nose bleeding. Right. Jim has been getting bad nosebleeds ever since he blew into that uh, that that bottle on the bridge. Um, and he, he goes to the police station and talks to the detectives because he's answering questions about, you know, finding the corpses. And come to find out, uh, three weeks prior in another town... There were a, a, a series of other deaths, all unexplainable. Hmm? Was it three deaths? I feel like it was. Maybe it was three. I don't know. But there were some deaths in another town, unexplainable, all of them. But at each one, written somewhere was the message, the empty man made me do it. Mm-hmm. Who's the empty man? Why is he making people do bad things? You got something? <clears throat> yeah, but this is like, you know, what? what a tulpa is. Oh, yeah, we find that out later. Yeah. So um, Jim's nose is bleeding after talking to detectives. Um, he goes home and starts Googling. See, we're about to get mm-hmm. to it. He goes home and starts Googling what is this Pontifex Institute. And he can't really find much until he refines his search and finds out it's a uh, I mean, online, it says it's a doomsday cult. And he starts reading more about it. And this cult 
deals with stuff like the tulpa, Tibetan uh, Buddhism, phantoms, so on and so forth. What is a tulpa? A phantom mind made body. So it's a being or object created through spiritual or mental powers. It is a manifestation of concentrated thought, essentially. Thought manifesting into material, physical form of some type, in some way, manifesting. Uh, He also goes on and finds, yeah, mind-made body, etc. And also, this tulpa thing was associated with a real occultist named Joseph Lang, who came up with the manifestation um, equation, which is thought plus concentration plus time equals flesh. And it was around this point that I started figuring out, oh, this whoever wrote this is into some similar kind of stuff as me because I love reading about this kind of stuff. Um, I, I would not describe myself necessarily as a, as a crystal daddy, but I do, oh, yeah. I do find occult stuff very interesting. And just the, the nature of consciousness, uh, of illusion, all these things. I'm very interested in it. It's fun to think about. Um, well, the neighbor woman, Nora, knocks on Jim's door. She's arrived unannounced. She called him. <clears throat> oh, I didn't know she called yeah, him. she called him. So he was drinking by himself and she called him. Okay. And then she was like, hey, I'm outside. Oh, yeah. And she starts just breaking down because her daughter's still missing. And yeah. is like, did she really kill people? Yada, yada, yada. And then she leaves. Okay. After trying to stay. After trying to stay. Forward. Oh, and there's like some weird uh, sexual tension between Jim and Nora as well. Yeah, right? wrote, deaf used to fuck. Yeah, they probably used to fuck. Maybe. Well, flash forward. Jim is home alone at night. And then he wakes up because there's an intruder. He hears someone in the house. So he grabs a bat, goes downstairs and looks and sees his front door is closed, but he's still hearing stuff inside. So he goes back to his room and closes the door. And he like crouches down to look at the the strip of light. Yeah. And sees some shadow, some footsteps walking by and then are gone. And it's all quiet. And he goes back out and he sees the front door is open. Who was there? No one knows. I don't, we never even find out, really. No. It just soon as someone intruded, it could have been, fuck, it might have even been Nora. Yeah. Could have been Amanda. <clears throat> could have been anyone. Well, Jim, let's see. Jim talks to Devara, Amanda's friend, gives her, wait, have I gone back in my notes? Yes. Oh, I missed a page here. Day two. Day two starts. Jim goes to visit the Pontifex Institute. And um, it's got a really creepy uh, secretary or greeter working there. This blonde woman (laughs) looks like the word haunted. She hands him a uh, membership form, which is filled with a survey but was it also said membership form at the top 
And it reminded me a lot of the forms that I had to take when I was applying for uh, a janitor job at Narconon, the um, uh, Scientologist-run rehab. I had to do like two 100-page questionnaires and then a an interview, and uh, I didn't get the job. I think they kind of figured out that I was a little ungovernable. Yeah. They figured out I was a libertarian. They were like, this man's ungovernable. He's a real American. He's free. We can't shackle him and his righteousness. Did you notice that there was a framed picture of the cabin in Bhutan at Pontifex? I did, and he passed by it after he gave up filling out the uh, the survey or the, the membership form because he thought it was a joke. It was asking all sorts of questions like, do you trust the government? Do you trust your own perception of reality? That kind of stuff. He asks the, uh, the greeter if it's a joke, and she's like, no, everyone has to do this. And so he rolls his eyes, takes the pages, and then goes exploring, passes by that cabin thing, uh, and goes and attends a symposium okay oh and before that before that actually when he's asking the lady if this form is a joke she's like no it's real and he's like yeah well i grew up in san francisco yeah which is something he keeps saying yeah it's like i grew up in san francisco i grew up in san francisco what like like we're supposed to really understand what that means or like he's seen enough hippy dippy new age shit and thinks it's all crap yeah. You know? It was still up in there. I had no idea. Well, he goes and attends a lecture being given by the actor Stephen Root. Now, I think he might have been playing a character. I'm not 100% sure. But it was Stephen Root. Uh, if you don't know who that is, you might recognize this from a little film called Office Space. Can you have my stapler? My stapler? Yep. Make me my stapler. That actor is Stephen Root. He is, uh, I don't even know what he was really talking about, uh, like some kind of philosophical, mystical kind of shit. And Say then, there's no such thing as loss and that you are complete as yourself. Wait, there's no such thing as what? Loss. Wait, speak up. Loss. L-O-S-S? Yes. No such thing as loss. And he, this is a direct quote, said, you are complete in yourself. You are complete in yourself. Sounds like some Buddhist kind of stuff. And then he says something about the empty man. At the end, he's like, and that's why we know the empty man. Interesting. Well, after the lecture, Jim Jim goes up to talk to Mr. Stephen Root and says, hey, this is interesting stuff, I guess. I grew up in San Francisco. Second time. Second time he said it. Um... The the he he starts asking this guy about the empty man, and uh, well, Stephen Root starts talking about just sort of uh, duality essentially, and illusion and thought and manifestation, and the idea that some thoughts, if not all thoughts, are communicable, and he also mentioned this thing called the noosphere which I didn't look up. I meant to look it up. But he said that's where thoughts come from. He's like... The sum of all conscious thoughts. The sum of all conscious thoughts. He's like, how do you know your thoughts are your own? And how do you know they're contained simply within your own psyche? You know? 
that sort of stuff. And he also talked about uh, Nietzsche and all this other smart stuff. And I seem to be like finding a rash of quote unquote horror movies written by people who are very smart or woke. Yeah. Or, or woke, but I'm talking for the ones I keep picking out. They always happen to be very smart. And there were seven. Although this, this, this writer seemed mm, way more intelligent than the one from that other movie I watched where, you know, what psycho dank or whatever, where he fucking does the drug that takes him back (laughs) in time. yeah. Yeah. But while this is all going on, like while the speech was happening, I noticed that there were seven people sat behind. There were seven people sitting behind Jim and Stephen staring at him. And when he goes to talk to Stephen, there are seven people standing around him. What's with all the sevens? Seven chakras or something, man? I don't know. I grew up in San Francisco. Well, anyway, Jim's like, cool. Thank you for all this. I grew up in San Francisco. Uh, I'll see you around. And Stephen Root says, well, we're glad to have you back. And Jim's like, this is my first time here. And Stephen looks at him and is like, well, I guess you must be something special about you then. Yeah. And then Jim leaves. He's a little confused, but he starts wandering around and then finds his way into this like creepy basement area and sees seven people sitting on steel fold-out chairs in a semicircle facing a dry erase board with all sorts of, you know, I don't know, equations written on it and shit. One of the seven appears to be a, a lecturer, and they're all chanting the same thing, chanting, chanting, chanting. Jim is up on a like a catwalk kind of thing up above them off to the side and he's being quiet because the chanting stops at some point and the teacher's like I sense someone here with us hello show yourself are you the empty man and Jim's hiding back like whoa what the fuck is going on and then the lights come on and uh, two of the workers at the institute uh, bust Jim and say, all right, you're out. Yep. They escort him out into an alleyway outside the building. And there he runs into some guy he saw out in the lobby and in the lecture yeah. who he says, oh, you got this Neil Cassidy thing going on. And it's like, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about or who you're talking about. Yeah. Do you know who Neil Cassidy no. is? He's... Um, he was a dean. No, he was a dean, whatever, in uh, on the road. Okay, is the guy Jack Kerouac was in love with. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, this kid's talking like a cool cat, man. He's smoking cigarettes. He's wearing like a a, a denim jacket with the collar popped up and everything. Um, and yeah. he because earlier. James had gone up to ask him if he'd ever seen Amanda there. And he said no. Oh, yeah. So then he's like, are you sure? That you know? And he was like, yeah, she's been here. She's at this camp just down the way. Like, she's just at this camp because she's getting PR'd, like, pre-released. Oh, she was. Oh, and that's where he finds out about this camp out in this place called uh, Mark Twain National Park. Yep. He goes out there. And uh, let's see, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? 
Yeah, he goes out to this place, uh, walks into some cabin. Twelve. Cabin number 12. No, 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 no. He's in another cabin first. He goes to a different cabin first and finds files there. And one of the files has his name on it, James Lasombra. He opens up the file, but it's empty. So he grabs just a whole bunch of folders and starts walking and then finds cabin 12. Yep. He goes into this place. There's, tw- uh, you know, empty empty bunk beds. He's like, all right, weird. What an the fuck is going on? An icky looking teddy bear. Oh, yeah, an icky looking teddy bear. It's like all fucked up. It reminded me of the teddy bear that cat kept raping in My Cat from Hell. <laughs> It's a very sad-looking teddy bear in this show, and this family was having an issue where the cat was fine, except for it would viciously rape this very sad-looking teddy bear. Yeah, and it was weird about that bear. It was really weird about the bear. Well, the teddy bear in the movie kind of reminded me of that. It's all sorts of fucked up. It looks like crusty and kind of, you know, damp and shit. Yeah. Uh, it looked like it didn't nice to touch well he goes into another room and is looking for something and while he does we see the teddy bear moving a bit as if by itself and then eventually when he turns around and is walking out the teddy bear is just totally gone but he doesn't notice it do you want to hear what i looked up about the significance of the number 12 uh let's hear it so it indicates perfection of government or rule Mm-hmm. 12 is a product of 3, which signifies d- the divine, mm-hmm. and 4, which signifies something that I can't read. Authority, appointment, and completeness. Okay. So that would explain the four ki- the four people camping at right. first, because we don't know what happened before that. Right. But in this new instance, I think there were three murders that happened before, and uh. then there's, you know, four kids. Okay. Yeah. What four so kids? 12. Not four kids. There was five kids there, hanging. Yeah, there were five. Uh, Never mind. Yeah, okay. I was wondering what the hell that was talking about. I was drunk. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, so, Teddy Bear's gone. Oh, 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 I remember what he finds. It's in my notes here. In in, in Cabin 12, he finds a, a cassette tape by and for the Pontifex Institute. Yeah. He plugs it in. And uh, it looks like they're doing some experiments on some guy. Yeah. And uh, he's bald and shit and starts going insane. And it's like a really creepy video that reminded me of Rubber Johnny. If you have not seen the video for Rubber Johnny, look up Aphex Twin. That's A-P-H-E-X, Aphex Twin, dash Rubber Johnny. Look it up. Make sure you watch it late at night in a dark room all alone. It's a really fun video. It'll make you happy. Rubber Johnny. You should watch it. Maybe watch it with the lights on. No. <clears throat> oh, watch it in the dark. But alone. yeah, he gets out of the cabin and he sees like a fire in the distance. Right. And so he starts walking towards it, and there's people circling. And this fire is, like, fucking huge when he looks at one moment. It looks like it's, like, up in the sky. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of people just walking around. And he turns around, you know, and the fire's normal-sized. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around, and the fire's out. And people are, like, moseying still. Right. And then, uh, like, something hits him because he's been hearing their, their chants. And it really hits his ear. 
And when that happens, he kind of starts tripping out a bit. Like the camera gets a little weird. He looks up at the night sky and it's like space gets a lot closer to him and everything. And then a few seconds later, he seems back to normal and he looks up and uh, all these people who are in like black hoods uh, are about a hundred of them across this little creek are all looking at him. And he realizes they're looking at him. So he takes a step back and they take a step toward him. So then he takes another step back and they take another step toward him. So then he says, oh, fuck this. Turns around and starts running. And all hundred or so people start chasing after him through the woods. He's running back to his Jeep. He gets in his Jeep. The people are swarming all around and on top of the Jeep. And the thing almost doesn't start, but finally turns over. He backs out and tears ass out of the woods, back into town to go meet up with Nora to tell her, you are not safe here. We need to get you out of here. Yep. And she's she makes like, her stay at a hotel. She's like, oh, what about work? And he's like, uh, no, 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 no. This is, this is serious. You need to go now. Leaves her at, yeah, a hotel. And then goes back to his place, right? Mm-hmm. And there he starts looking through the files. Yep. Or am I missing anything? No. There he starts looking through the files. Wait, has he gone to the hospital yet? Not yet. Okay. He starts looking through the files and sees that uh, I've lost my my place here. Uh, oh, sees that some of the stuff is about him or something. Yeah. And then he takes those files back to the police station, tells the detectives about it and the story about the people chasing him. The detectives are like, and how did you get this? Yeah. Uh, Where's the door to this place closed? Was this a private property? He was basically trying to say like, yo, I can't use this. Yeah. I'd love to, but I can't use this as evidence. Like all I have is your statement. You know, write, write down your statement. So he does. Um, and Oh, and then he leaves to Laura's place and goes, so he hasn't really looked at the stuff yet. No. No. So he went from the cabin to the detective, then to Laura's, then back to his home. Where the doorbell rings. Where, where the doorbell rings. And wait a second. He dreams first of okay. the empty man. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. He gets home. He's tired. He goes to sleep. He dreams the empty man is in his house coming for him, the dark figure. He wakes up because the doorbell rings. He goes and looks. There's no one out there. Goes back upstairs. And then here's a, a ring again. Goes back downstairs. Opens the door. The nasty teddy bear is sitting right there in front of him. Yep. Right outside the door. Um, so then... I don't know how he got here. I think I missed this point. I think it was probably peeing. This was after. But he gets to the hospital. Mm -hmm. He gets to the hospital and sees seven people from the Pontifex Institute kneeling around this bed of this guy who's like comatose in the bed. A hospital bed. Yeah. Um, Jim runs into the Neil Cassidy guy. And asks him what's going on. Neil Cassidy's being squirrely with him. And uh, Jim's like, well, 
Oh, 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 wait. I, I remember. I remember. Uh, he kidnaps Neil Cassidy. And That's nobody right. Nobody sees him kidnap him. Nobody sees him kidnap him. He kidnaps Neil Cassidy, gets him in his car, drives him out to some abandoned place, um, is kind of like pushing him around, saying, like, what the fuck is going on? Who's the empty man? Where's Amanda? How did all these kids die? What do you guys have to do with it? And then Neil Cassidy's being like, oh, well, you don't even know what's going on. You don't even know what's really real. You don't know who you are. And um, (laughs) and Jim puts a gun to Neil's head and is like, I grew up in San Francisco. (laughs) It's like, all right, man. Straight up. That again. Yeah. Uh, And he he gives him a bloody nose, gives Neil a bloody nose, um, and then goes back to the hospital. Yeah. Leaves leaves the guy behind. Uh, oh, oh, because Neil Cassidy is like, oh, you're infected with it. You're starting to feel it, aren't you? Do you hear him yet? You don't even know what's going on with you. Ha, 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 ha. Mm-hmm. And that pisses Jim off. He tears back to the hospital, and the seven people are gone, but there's still a, that body comatose in that hospital bed. And so Jim talks to the nurse there and is asking her about the people who were in that room, about the man in there. Turns out the man's John Doe. It turns out the nurse is acting really creepy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she answers all of his questions to the best of her knowledge. Yes, she is. But she didn't let on, but she was part of the Pontifex Institute. She says, oh, there's somebody in there with him right now. There's somebody somebody in there. He goes into the room, and who should be sitting on the bed but Amanda? Yeah. Amanda is sitting on the bed, trimming the comatose guy's beard. And at this point, I was thinking, man, I bet that motherfucker is going to be Jim. And Jim goes and finds himself comatose on a bed. Yeah. And this is all some coma dream. But no, it turned out to be the guy from that Rubber Johnny video earlier. And um, how uh, 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 Amanda... Uh, this is where I kind of stopped taking notes because it got really fucking weird, honestly. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure... Oh, oh Amanda starts telling Jim... That he is the empty man. Yeah. And he's they like, made him what? that way. Yeah, the Institute made him together. They manifested him. He is their tulpa. And we're still not entirely sure what the cult's motive is. Yeah. We're not sure. I remember Neil Cassidy uh-huh. was like, these guys don't have five-year plans. They have a 500-year plan. Yeah. You don't know how much power they I was have. like, 20 years isn't a 500-year plan, but okay. No. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the fuck they were getting at, but supposedly they made uh, a Jim into a tulpa or created Jim. And it's also, we're not sure if that's what really happened because this throughout this whole movie... Jim's pill and alcohol usage has been steadily increasing at he a rapid rate. It. What the pills? Mm-hmm. Well, he kept drinking though. Yeah, he did. He keep was getting. Drinking. He was like totally plastered when he got to the hospital to talk to the nurse. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So that's when things just really start to fall apart in the movie, and that's what earned it a C. Turns out he was a tulpa, maybe, maybe not, 
And he kind of like flashes through all these weird flashbacks, has the weirdest sex scene with his neighbor, Nora. (laughs) Weird sex scene without sex, just eating lace. Yeah, he's like, like she has lace over her face and he's like licking her face. Yeah. And then he also turns her over fully clothed. She's wearing just like some boudoir stuff. And just starts dry humping her, standing in a doorway. Both and this of them. is when you know, like, they start doing the flashback of like his kid and his wife dying because right. it was at her, at her husband's funeral, and he decided to stay behind. He was like, oh, "I'll meet you guys back home," and then they die in a car wreck. Oh, they died while he was fucking Nora. Yeah. Oh, now that's something I missed. I didn't catch that, and I would have caught it if the ending was done better. And more clear. And I get that it's supposed to be ambiguous, but I mean, they really jammed that whole thing into the very end. They should have really teased out the uh, the unambiguity or disambiguity yeah. throughout the movie, but they didn't. So we don't really know what happens at the end, frankly, and you won't either if you watch The Empty Man. So all in all... Um, we are going to rate this film. What do you rate it? I'd give it a C minus. A C minus? Mm-hmm. I'd give it a C minus too. Yeah. I would have given it a a good solid B, but the end just really fell apart. And um, it's not my fault. It's what's his prior's fault. Yeah. Prior. Um, uh, thank you for the movie. I was, dude, I was so into it prior. If you ever see this, I doubt you ever will. I was really into it. What the fuck happened at the end? And I get that I'm not supposed to totally get what happens at the end, but it, it didn't, it, it, it didn't get pulled off quite as well as it needed to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's been our, our, very confusing uh, review. I, I don't know about you. I was confused throughout this whole process. I mean, I understand, like, I think I get what the moral of the story is, ish. What, the, do you think there's even a moral to this movie? If yeah. there were some kind of message to take away? Yeah. What, don't don't uh, cheat on your, your wife, otherwise they're going to die, and you're going to become a tulpa, yet also be a real thing? Like No. What I get from it is that as a human being, there are choices to be made and that your thoughts have more power than what we give them. Like mm-hmm. everything is what you think it is. You know, you you can say your name a million times and it loses its meaning, right? Right. But something else can have so much meaning to you. And if that's what you believe and that's like your belief is that you can manifest something, then you can because mm-hmm. you believe in it. So words don't mean as much as intention. Yeah. Okay. Okay. At least that's what I got from it. I also got uh, part of the thing with the empty man that I figured out or that I kind of thought of was like these bad things happen because earlier they talked about, or I surmised actually, that a, say, a community could create a tulpa in which to pour their uh, guilt and all their negative feelings into this entity mm-hmm. to, you know, purify themselves. 
but also it, that doesn't get rid of the energy. No. And I think ultimately that's what happened with that weird Draugr thing, which she does eventually run into again at the Institute when he's jumping back and forth through time and then sees himself again. And I'm just a little... I feel like I wish they'd pulled I don't it off think a bit. It was executed well. It wasn't executed well. That I mean, uh, Amanda said that his his history, his past, all his memories including were implanted, with the woman. including with the <clears throat> woman. Is that real? Is that true or not? And then, if that's the case, why did he exist? How is he killing people? What the fuck was going on? And if there are that many people that are into this cult and like know about this tulpa Mm -hmm. then who doesn't know about it other than other tulpas at that point because if everybody seems to be in on this Uh uh-huh then how do you want to rephrase that a little clear more clearly so in this story at the end we see the doctors and all that shit at the hospital and Mm -hmm. they all are just, like, looking at him. Like, okay, yeah. They him, Jim? James, yes. Okay. And so he's, like, sitting there, and the doctors are just watching him, and he's like, yeah, you know? Yeah. Everybody's like, okay. So if there are this many people involved in the Pont- Pontifex Institute, Institute uh-huh. then how are there any other people, if it's so communicable, that don't have this, that aren't already part of it? Oh, yeah, communicable. That's something we missed. Yeah. Um, One of the things Stephen Root was talking about was ideas can be communicable and the empty man is communicable. Yeah. And he's a negative entity entity who's many thousands of years old and is just a killer thought that infects people's brains and causes them to kill. Yeah. Which I'm so confused. Why the fuck would that take the form of... Uh, this fake yet not fake person, Jim. Who's discovering it. Who's discovering it. And becoming it. Not well executed. Didn't uh, The dots didn't really meet up with this one. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been the review. I don't have anything to add. Uh, I think the moral of the story is if you're going to shoot high, you better not miss. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Stick around for the bonus episode. I'll be reading some funny fucking mail that I got uh, that does not belong to me. uh, Well, it's like a magazine. I'm not opening anyone's mail or anything. It's just an ad that came. It was very, it's a very bizarre ad that I received. Yeah. Um, if you want to catch the bonus episode and the uh, previous bonus episodes, go to patreon.com slash that thing with James. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I love you and I will catch you next time in episode 100. Bye. Bye.